In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Another year has passed. We had our New Year's celebrations, our celebration of St. Basil, and of the circumcision of our Lord, and all the secular celebrations as well. And in this year, it feels like we've trodden through a very difficult terrain. Sometimes we might even say arid or barren terrain. There were certainly times in March and April where we felt like, where is our spiritual life? What's happened to us? We completely thrown off kilter. And the analogies of the Jewish people in Exodus and the, the Sinai desert are very fitting for us. Journeying, trudging along through these difficult times. In fact, our life is an exodus. Like the chosen people of old, we are on a journey. And that journey has a beginning and an end. And it is a journey because each stage along the journey, there are new trials, new things to face, new blessings, new joys, all directed towards that one end. And the symbolism of that journey through the desert is deeply embedded in our Christian faith. St. Paul talks about it in the New Testament, about the journey of the people through Sinai and how that relates to our spiritual life. In the patristic writings and homilies, even up to our contemporary elders and saints, Elder Zacharias of Essex has written extensively about our exodus, our spiritual exodus. In the latter divine ascent, there are 30 steps written by St. John of the Ladder. The first step is renunciation, the crossing over the Red Sea. And the third step is exile or pilgrimage, which is the exodus in the desert. And in hymnography, the first ode of many, many canons within the church is on the theme of the passage through the Red Sea of escaping from Pharaoh. In fact, the beginning of our exodus is the Red Sea, because the Red Sea is our baptism. It is when we leave behind Pharaoh, when we leave behind Egypt, which is the place of our passions, our old self, our sinful self, and we pass through those waters. And the waters are a life-giving passageway to the, the, the chosen people, but they're a place of death for the Pharaoh and his army. Likewise, our own baptismal waters are a place of life, but also a place of death. We die in the waters, and we are given new life in those same waters. We're drowning the old self, killing the old self, and arising, newly formed as a new creation. St. Paul says in Romans, Do you not know that as many as of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have entered a new life, this spiritual life of ours, of being Orthodox Christians. And this life begins at our baptism. Through the baptismal waters, as the prayer says, we receive the grace of redemption, the blessing of the Jordan, a source of incorruption, a gift of sanctification, a deliverance from sins, an averting of diseases unapproachable by hostile powers filled with angelic might. 
These are the waters that you were baptized into. And these same prayers, these same words are used as we bless holy water. This coming week we have Theophany, the great feast. And on the eve of Theophany, on Tuesday, we'll have a great blessing of the waters. And on Theophany, we'll have a great blessing of the waters. And these same prayers are used as our baptismal waters. All of that immense power that we place into the baptismal waters by God's grace is placed into the holy water that we then consume throughout the year, that we bless our homes with. This is the water of sanctification. In our baptism, we pass through the Red Sea and begin our journey to the Promised Land. But many of us don't remember our day of baptism. Many of us were baptized many years ago, even as infants. And so our memories of that are a little bit hazy. But whether you're baptized years ago or whether you're baptized just recently, the fact is that we all start turning to sin soon after our baptism. Like the Jewish people in the desert, we start looking back over our shoulder, imagining about the life that we had in Egypt, the slavery, preferring to be enslaved to the old man rather than to be renewed as a new creation. This is always the appeal. This is why the story of Exodus is the story of our own spiritual lives. Because as they were going in their exodus to that promised land, the land of milk and honey that was promised to them by God as their own land, still they were looking over their shoulder. Still they were thinking about the way that they had things in Egypt and thinking maybe it wasn't so bad. The exodus is difficult. We always look at the, the perceived ease of slavery and we say, maybe I prefer being a slave. We do this in fasting. We say, I'd rather not fast. What's the point of fasting? Because we think that fasting is slavery. When we have it completely backwards, we're always enslaved to our taste buds. We're always enslaved to our desires of our body. And only in fasting do we actually have an opportunity to say no to that slavery. But because we like that slavery so much, it's so familiar, it's so comfortable for us, that's what we prefer. We see this in the sexual passions in our culture, where everything is about sexual desire and fulfilling that desire. And that's the thing that we're supposed to want. And yet we turn into animals, enslaved by our bodies and our desires. This is the way of turning back to Egypt. Just three days after Moses delivered his people through the Red Sea, they started complaining about water. They needed water to drink. Think about it. God has just opened up a sea. There were walls of water that God had moved so that they could walk through dry land. And they're thinking God can't provide them water. Three days after this. So God at Marah turned the bitter water into sweet water. If you recall the story, Moses was told to take from a tree that was nearby and throw it into the water. And that tree made the water sweet. And that tree is an image of the cross, of Christ, which brings life to us. So God revealed himself to them. And this is the exchange that we see all the time. They go on their exodus, they start complaining, and God has to reveal himself more to them. So he reveals to them by turning that water into sweetness. And he says to them, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, 
and do what is pleasing in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep his ordinances, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your God who heals you. God is the one who heals us. He is the one who brings about our purification and our sanctification. He is the one that teaches us that what the Exodus really is is about following his commandments. Yet barely a month later, they began complaining again, this time about food. And they said, Would we have died smitten by the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and ate bread to the full? They were thinking about all the food they had in their slavery, in their captivity, in their servitude. All they could think about is, well, we had pots of meat and we had lots of bread. Wouldn't we be better there instead of being here in the desert? They were looking back over their shoulder once again. So God again reveals himself to them, lavishing them with manna from heaven, giving them quails until they were full each and every day. And thus each time the people began to doubt God and complain against him, he responded by miracles and by revealing himself all the more to them. Now as I'm talking about all of this, we're talking about the people in the Old Testament, but we're talking about ourselves. So hear these words in your place. So he revealed to them through a pillar of fire by causing water to gush forth from the rock, by miraculous victory in battle, by a cloud over Mount Sinai, by Moses' shining face, again and again, and ultimately through his commandments. His commandments themselves are a revealing of who God is. Through this journey, the Jewish people became intimate with God. He led them, he provided everything for them, he taught them how to worship him, and he delivered them. This gradual process of God revealing himself to his creation didn't just take place in Sinai. In fact, this is the entire story of all of creation, God revealing himself to us. All of creation on an exodus, from the time Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, humanity has been in exodus, an exodus to that promised land, to a return to paradise. And we see this through all of the salvation history, from Abraham, God revealing himself through Abraham, and through Moses, through David, and ultimately through Christ himself. As we say in every Orthros, we say, God is the Lord and has revealed himself to us. And that word revealed is the same word as epiphany. And this gets us to our present day and our present feast. Because Jesus Christ is the ultimate and complete epiphany revealing of who God is. And the feast of theophany or epiphany they come from the same root, a revealing, a manifestation, an appearing. This feast is a feast in which God reveals himself to us. We who are on our exodus, who are struggling with doubt and questioning and complaining, God reveals himself. For we are, as St. Paul said, sojourners and pilgrims, and God reveals himself to us as we continue on our own exodus. We are the ones who are fleeing from the Egypt of passions and enslavement to the world. We are the ones who are passing through the baptismal waters of the Red Sea. We are the ones who are following his commandments to be purified and finally, by God's grace, crossing the River Jordan. 
as we depart from this life and enter into the promised life of the heavenly kingdom. That is the joy of the promised land. And that's the joy that we must keep our eyes on instead of turning back again and again. Because as St. John the theologian says in his book called Revelation, he says, at that time God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. This is the final victory of God. And this is what we must keep our eyes on as we travel through this very grueling exodus of our lives. Because what we must remember is that the devil is powerless. God is all-powerful. In one of the prayers of baptism and the exorcism, it says of the devil, you lacked power even over swine. You remember that gospel story? God is the one that gave them the power over swine, the demons, the power over swine. They didn't even have power over that. They were begging God. This is the weakness of the evil one. Meanwhile, in another prayer, it says this of God. For you, being God uncircumscribed, without beginning and inexpressible, came upon the earth, taking the form of a servant, being found in the likeness of mortals. For you could not bear, Master, in the compassion of your mercy, to watch the human race being tyrannized by the devil. But you came and saved us. These are the prayers both of our baptism and also the prayers of the blessing of the great, the great blessing of the waters. The tyranny of the devil has ended. As St. Paul says in Romans, death has no dominion over Jesus. And yet, we haven't crossed that river Jordan yet to the promised land. We're still in our exodus. And so we feel the, the power of the devil over us because we keep turning back and looking over our shoulder. We keep saying, I want that thing that I thought that I didn't want. We keep turning back and complaining. But God is patient. So what does God do? He keeps on revealing himself to us again and again. In our own lives, we have epiphanies, manifestations of God's mercy and of his love. Because he desires to share himself with us. He wants to bring us into the promised land. He wants us to journey on this exodus and to reveal himself to us. While we desire to take this journey, a lot of the time we need some encouragement, some reassurance, so we don't become like the complaining people in the desert. Because I've had my share of complaining this past year, and I'm sure each of you have up to this day. So we need some encouragement, and God in his mercy has given us theophany, this great feast of God's revealing. Because on this feast, we remember that God is the one who is, in who is powerful, not the evil one. God is the one who has conquered all, who has abolished death and the power of the devil. He has opened paradise to us. I could say a lot more about how God has revealed himself to us, but I'll end this by reading a long passage from the prayers that we'll hear at the great blessing of the waters. Please come on Tuesday or on Wednesday for the Feast of Theophany. This is what it says in the prayers. Today the grace of the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove dwelt upon the waters. Today the sun that never sets has dawned and the world is made radiant by the light of the Lord. Today the uncreated by his own will accepts the laying on of hands 
by his own creature. Today the prophet and forerunner draws near but stands with fear, seeing God's condescension towards us. Today the streams of the Jordan are changed into the healing presence of the Lord. Today all creation is watered by mystical streams. Today the failings of mankind are being washed away by the waters of the Jordan. Today paradise is opened for us mortals, and the sun of justice shines down on us. Today the bitter water, as once for Moses' people, is changed to sweetness by the presence of the Lord. Today we have been delivered from the ancient grief and saved as the new Israel. Today we have been redeemed from darkness and are filled with radiance by the light of the knowledge of God. Today the gloomy fog of the world is cleansed by the manifestation of our God. Today all creation shines with light from on high. Today error has been destroyed and the coming of the Master makes for us a way of salvation. Today the Master hastens towards baptism that he might lead humanity to the heights. Today, the one who does not bow, bows down to his own servant, that he may free us from servitude. Today, earth and sea share the joy of the world, and the world has been filled with gladness. My brothers and sisters, we need consolation. We need to remember what God is and who he is and how he can overcome all struggles in our lives. We are in exodus. We're in the desert. We are struggling, but God is merciful, and he will reveal himself to us. Let us joy, have joy in this feast, this upcoming feast, in which God is revealing his strength and his power to us. And to him be glory. Amen.